those who sing and uh, take the time to practice and sing for us in our service. I appreciate each of you. Hosea chapter 10, one verse, verse 12. And if you'd stand with me as you turn there, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 in your Old Testament. And one of the minor prophets, not because their message was unimportant, but because their books were a little bit shorter than others, all right? I guess they had a little bit less say than Isaiah or Jeremiah, all right? And, but the Lord used them in a, in a mighty way. And I want to look at one verse here tonight and, uh, and preach, uh, that, preach on this passage of Scripture tonight. My intent is to be a little shorter than normal, all right? We'll see how that goes. Don't smile too much there, Brother Aaron. And uh, Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12, if you would, I'll read it once and then if you'll read it loud with me. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Read with me, would you? Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. And truly tonight it is time to seek the Lord. I'm thankful for the scripture that you've given to us that tell us of our Savior, what you've done for us, and Lord, your love for us. And I'm thankful for this book that we have in our hand tonight. I pray that you'd use me as tonight as I preach your word. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch each one of our hearts as the scripture is preached tonight. Lord, I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a phrase. When I say it, you're probably going to have flashbacks, all right? The new normal. How many of you remember that phrase? The new normal. Your mind went back just a couple years, didn't it? Groans around the room. And uh, groans around the room. It was just not that long ago. I was thinking I was talking to Brother Russell and the Russells, and we were talking about COVID. And nobody enjoys remembering those times, do you? And to look back at, at some of those and uh, when they, uh, you know, sometimes the time out of services as we switched our services around and uh, even had an outdoor service and the live streaming that went with that and the various things that we did, social distancing, aren't you glad that's over, all right? Now, maybe some of you are still socially distancing, all right? And, but that social distancing, boy, that was, nobody cared for that. Remember the, the seating as you would come into church, I'm sure Brother Daniel is definitely glad it's over and uh, some Christians got carnal when they didn't get their spot in the auditorium, all right? As that, that shifting as we tried to make room and make space and uh, all of that that went, play, went, went into it. I, who knows how much uh, hand sanitizer was used. Uh, I mean, during that time, I used stuff that I don't think it should have been called hand sanitizer. It had an awful smell. It might have cleaned, but it sure smelled awful. And uh, all different things that, that took place. I, I remember being told that when you came to church, come to church, some folks felt like we shouldn't even sing in church when they actually started. Uh, you don't want to sing too much. You might breathe too much on somebody else. Don't, don't have any wind instruments, no trumpets, none, none of that. You might blow that around on somebody else. And I'm thankful that's all over, aren't you? Aren't you glad it's all over? And they kept telling us this could be the new normal. And I'm thankful everybody rejected that kind of normal. And we're back to what is and should be normal when it comes to our relationships with one another. But I think about a, a normal when it comes to our relationship with God and what that looks like. What is normal? And in a few weeks we'll have our, our revival meeting. And I, I, we think of revival. And revival is, is, is bringing, I think, what revival ought to be, the, the regular state of a Christian. Uh, when I think of a, a revived heart, I think of a heart in close communion with the Lord, don't you? Uh, one that it, where God is speaking in our heart and uh, we're hearing what is said, we're walking in obedience and there's that close fellowship 
with the Lord. I think of the revived heart as a serving heart, one that's doing everything they can in their service for the Lord, realizing time is brief and time is short. And there's different things I think about when it comes to revival, coming to a place of what should be the normal for the Christian. Whenever I think of a revival meeting that's coming up, this is one of the verses that personally I I go to in my own life. And I desire when that revival meeting comes for it to build in my life spiritually and it to be an encouragement to me. And I I would encourage you this to, I think, to have revival before revival starts is the ideal way for it to be. To have, have that searching of our own hearts, that time of our hearts, that when the meeting comes, God just stirs and works in our life. I think this passage of scripture gives us some of those principles of how we get there in this verse. Hosea was written, if you would, he was, he was one of the minor prophets, but a contemporary of Isaiah. And he was to the northern kingdom, kind of what Isaiah was to the southern kingdom. He was a prophet. His message in the book of Hosea is, oh, Hosea is very comparative to the message that Jeremiah would bring to the people. And he would warn them. He would speak to their wickedness. He would speak to the coming chastening hand of God. And uh, he, would, he would have these messages for the people. And in this verse, he calls them to come back to the Lord. He calls them to come back to the Lord. And there are some things I want to look at that I think apply to our life today. And you see in this verse, the first thing he says here is, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Boy, there's a, there's a sowing, but it, it's, it's a sowing of our actions. Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy. I think there's a call here. The first thing that he calls them to is to examine, examine your actions, to examine your actions. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. What are, what are you sowing? He was speaking to a church or to a country, to people that were sowing some things in their life that was not taking them closer to the Lord, but further from the Lord. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also what? Reap. Uh, we, we do reap what we sow sooner or later. And you know the saying, you reap what you sow, you relate, reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. And in this passage of scripture, Hosea is calling to the nation to sow righteousness in their life. They had sown a lot of other actions in their life that were not pleasing in, to, in the eyes of God. And as a result of it, the chastening hand of God was coming into their life. And I think of this when it, when it comes to getting ready for revival or seeing God work in our life. There is a call that we would examine our actions in light of God's word. James 4, 6 through 8 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And then this statement, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Cleanse your hands. Boy, that's, that's an outward work, isn't it? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's an inward work, isn't it? Well, the first thing he, he says in this verse, he says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. There was a call in their life that they would examine their actions. I think, I think this, Christian, when as we're beginning to draw closer to the Lord, there is a need in our life to examine our actions. I think it's easy to get in the rut of the Christian life where we are content with where we are, that we are not examining what we're doing in our life. We're not truly examining the way we're living for the Lord and the way we act in our life, whether it's our, rea- our, our interactions with others around us, whether it's the things that we're doing in our life, whether it's, whether it's a holy thing, whether it's an acceptable thing, whether it's a pleasing thing in the sight of the Lord, what we're allowing into our life. And there is a call in this passage of Scripture that they would examine their actions. 
And God calls them to this. I, I think as we, I think in just a couple weeks as we head into our revival, I, I think this, if, if you want God to do a special work in your life that week, examine your actions now. Boy, just put your life under the scope of God's word and put your actions under the light of God's word and say, does, how does my life fall in line with this book that he's given me? How is my service in light of God's word? How are my actions in my home in light of God's word? How are my actions, uh, as a, how are your actions as a husband or as a wife or as a father or as a mother or as a child to their parent, as a, as a church member, as a Christian, as a, as a Christian in the workplace? How does my life fall in line with the word of God? Am I sowing righteousness in my life? Hosea would look at the nation of Israel and he would say, sow to yourselves in right, righteousness. And, and, uh, and he said, reap mercy. And he said, look to the actions of our life. And he looked to a nation that he would rebuke because they were far from God. Isaiah would look to the people and he would say, woe uh, to them on multiple occasions. And one thing he would say about the nation of Israel is they, they had flipped things upside down. They called that which is evil good and that which was good evil. They were living in an upside down world. And I think this, that, that there is a call to, to be in a place with God where we are examining our life and our actions in light of his word. When's the last time you really just took your life and say, Lord, is it in line with your word? Is my life in line with your word? Are my actions in line with your word? Is how I will live my life Monday and through Sunday and, and through that week, does it fall in line with the scripture. Is my walk pleasing to the Lord? I think of how Samuel would rebuke uh, Saul. And he said the Lord would. I, I'm going to have to paraphrase a little bit. But, but the Lord was. Uh, obedience was better than what? Sacrifice. The Lord would rather have. Someone who walked in obedience to his word. Than someone who went about with great sacrifice. Great sacrifice. Matter of fact, we know this, that that sacrifice is worthless without regular obedience. And you can't whitewash over obedience with a gift, can you? Can't. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, better, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. God said it's better to be in a house where you're eating salad, but people love one another, all right? Where you have little, but people love one another. Than a house with a stalled ox, a, a, a steak on the table, but hatred around you. It's better to be in a place where people are loving one another, care for one another, than it is, and have little, than it is to have a place with plenty, but not much love. How does God measure our love? If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. He looks to the love not merely with the words that we say, but with the way we live our life. There's a call in this passage of Scripture. He said, sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap in mercy. Examine the actions of your life. And, and I think of this, if you want to draw near to God, examine the actions of your life. Friend, if you were far from your spouse and you were trying to, to settle that relationship, one thing that you would look to, and maybe the first place that you would look, is to your actions. 
How am I treating them? Examine, we ought to examine sowing, he said, in righteousness. Examine your actions. But notice what he said next. There ought to be a softening of our life. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. And then he says this, break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. Uh, you know, in Indiana, there are a lot of farmers in Indiana, a lot of farmers here in South Georgia and Georgia. And in Indiana, there's a lot of cornfields, soybeans all around. You get out there if you're outside of the city and for miles and miles, you can see it. I remember one time in, in school, I don't even remember which grade it is, they were talking about, about plowing and how a farmer will plow at a certain depth. And if they only ever plow at that de- depth, let's say it's eight inches, they'll develop what is called a plow pan. And you'll have eight inches of, of tender earth, but underneath it, it will grow packed down. And it'll grow packed down, and so that ground below will grow hard, and so they won't get the, the, the fruit if they would like or the reaping they would like out of the field. So every once in a while, they go down and they plow even deeper to break up that, that ground underneath, to break up that plow, fallow ground, to examine even deeper in their life. There's a call in this passion of Scripture that we would break up the fallow ground of our heart. That we would do not only an examining work of our actions, but an examining work of our heart. And I would say this, it is the examining of the heart that can produce an examination of our actions. It is when we look to our heart and check the condition of our heart that it produces this desire in our life. Lord, I I want to be right with you, not only in the condition of my heart, but in my actions in life. Psalms chapter 51, 16 through 17 says this, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. This is David confessing his sin with Bathsheba, and he would say these words, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalms 139, verses 23 through 24 says, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. There was a call not only to examine the actions, but to examine the heart. There was meant to be a softening. I think of this as, whether it's, a, whether it's a regular Sunday service, a Sunday school hour, or whether it's a revival meeting or whatever it is, oftentimes the, what, the fruit that we see is a result of the ground the seed falls on, isn't it? It is. I, I will tell you this. In large part, what you get out of the revival meeting will be even less about the speaker than it will be about the condition of your heart. And it doesn't matter who it is, but if they would stand up and preach God's word in the way God's word should preach, if that seed falls on a heart that is right, there ought to be a growth from it. I would challenge you this to examine our own hearts. I think if we're not careful, we put the fruit that grows in our own life too much of the weight on the one who's delivering the seed and not enough on the ground the seed falls on. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed? Man, the the sower of the seed was faithful, wasn't he? I mean, he was spreading the seed. What a picture of the gospel, right? What a picture. The Lord used it as a picture of the gospel. He he spread the seed and some of it fell on the wayside ground. The birds would come down and eat it and take it away and it wouldn't even be received. It's a picture of Satan snatching away the seed. 
It'd fall on the thorny ground, and, the, and then God would give that picture of the thorns of the earth coming up and choking out the seed, having no depth. It would fall on the, the, th- the stony ground, no depth, and by and by they'd be offended and go away. But then it would fall on a fruitful ground. Boy, and it'd come forth and bear forth fruit. Friend, it wasn't the seed. It was the ground the seed fell on that mattered the most. I will tell you this, it's the seed of God's word when it is delivered. What matters most is the ground it falls upon. And in this passage of scripture, the Lord highlights, break up the fallow ground. I would ask you, when you walk into a revival meeting, what type of ground do you walk in with? What type of condition of a heart do we have? We use the statement when we talk about going to church. Go to church before you go to church. Make sure your heart is right before you walk through the door. Make sure that ground is tender. Make sure the heart is broken and contrite before the Lord. Make sure a heart is open and receptive and ready and willing and desires to hear from the Lord and to hear from his word. Uh, Because I will tell you this, the seed, the ground that the seed falls upon us is just as important as the seed that goes forth. And there is a call in this passage of scripture. He said, he, he looks at the nation of Israel and he said, break up the fallow ground. Boy, they, these people had prophet after prophet from Isaiah to Jeremiah to Hosea and the major prophets, the minor prophets. And the word of God had been delivered. Jeremiah himself would speak at least seven times that the message came early and yet they, they would not hearken unto it. And that they had, God had sent the seed, God had sent the message, but it fell on hard hearts. And God had to send them into captivity to break up the fallow ground. To break the heart, they would return to the Lord. I would would say, Christian, when it comes to being in a place, what should be the normal for the Christian, and getting to that place, it is an examination of our actions, and it's an examination of our heart. He said, the heart... Where is your heart? Does it prickle up when things are said about the word of God that we don't care for? When there's a call for different actions in our life, do we we bristle at what God has for it? Or does our heart openly and readily receive the seed of God's word? And it makes all the difference the condition of our heart. He said, here to the nation, he said, sow to yourselves in righteousness. Examine your actions in life and the way you're living life. Hey, break up the fallow ground of your heart. Let, let God do a work and examine the condition of your heart. And lastly, we see this. We see a seeking that is called for. He said this, break up your fallow ground for it is time to what? Seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Examine your focus. Not only to examine your actions, not only to examine your heart, but examine your focus. Seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. If ye then being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye, appear also, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which... He says, 
Not only did he call the people of Israel to examine their actions, to examine their heart, but he called them to examine their focus. What are you seeking after? And here's the call in the Christian life. What are you in pursuit of? Less, less what and who. I will tell you this. If you find yourself in pursuit of a what, you are in pursuit of a who. It's just not him. We are meant to be in pursuit of the Lord. To seek him. To set our attentions on the things of eternity. To set our focus on what he would have for us. Because I like the way it, it uses those words. Till he come and rain righteousness upon you. For it is time to seek the Lord. I, I would say this about it. There is a time to seek the Lord. And there is a time when it's too late. There is a time when it's too late. It says till he come. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's never been a moment in my life when I have felt how close we could be to the Lord's return. Never met, never felt it as close as I, I, and I've heard it preached my whole life and looked at all those things. Of course, Israel is that, that time clock on the, the one you follow. You know, we always look to our nation and, well, we should be bothered about what goes on in our nation, but God's not bound by what happens in America, is he? Matter of fact, Israel's not, or America's not mentioned in prophecy. Israel is. Israel's mentioned in prophecy. We see, and, and yet one of the things that we know happens in the tribulation is that, that just as it begins, the Antichrist comes and he br brings about a peace treaty there in the Middle East. It lasts about three and a half years, and then war unfolds there in the tribulation period. You know, for the longest time, you and I would sit here and say, there was... Not peace, but maybe a settledness to what was happening in the Middle East. Not so anymore, is there? Not so anymore. Right at the edge. Hey, it used to be that I thought growing up, and I'd see some of the things that happened in the tribulation, I thought, America can't be around anymore. Because America wouldn't stand for that. Right? America wouldn't stand for what was happening. And I always thought if... When that tribulation comes, America is either not around or not relevant. Either not around or not relevant. At least not as we know it. And we're still around, but I would say our relevance is greatly diminishing. Evidently, there's a whole lot around the pe people around the world and a whole lot of nations around the world that are not too concerned about what we do. I think, could it be that maybe that war breaks out and you and I are gone pretty quick and somebody else around here brings about a peace and promises it to the world? Could it be that you and I go home tonight and we really go home tonight? That you and I are caught up out of here. That time is short. And I don't know. I, only God knows the timetable. We would be fools to try to put a timetable on it. The Lord said no man knows the day nor the hour. We know the seasons. We know the seasons. If you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we, you could see that we're not surprised what happens or shouldn't be surprised. God's outlined it in his word. And what does he say? Seek those things which are above. Friend, we may be out of here and all the things that are down here are very small concerning, compared to the things of eternity.
I hope when I go home that my actions are pleasing in his sight, that my heart is right in his sight, and that my focus is right in his sight. Because we don't know how much time we have. Seek the Lord. There was a people in Israel, they were seeking the wrong things. I think this, if you want to be in the place, which should be the normal of the Christian life, a place of close, close communion with your Lord, a place of service that is the way God would have it to please. Here, here we see a little bit of an outline on how to do it. Examine your actions. When's the last time you just sat down? You said, Lord, here's the way I live. Is it pleasing in your sight? Is it pleasing? When's the last time you sat down and said, here's my heart, Lord. Is it tender? Go deeper. Go deeper. Lord, how's my focus? Where is it set? I want it to be firmly set upon the Lord. This is the time of year leading up to revival meeting. I I strive to do these things all the time, but certainly leading up to revival meeting, I am reminded, go deeper in your life. Examine your actions. Examine your heart. Examine your focus. And as those things fall in line with God, as those things fall in line the place we see that it ought to be, I think we get to that place of what should be the normal in the Christian life. A close communion with God and a focus that is pleasing in His sight. A service that pleases Him. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much. Lord, I I am thankful that there's coming a day when I'm going to see my Savior and see my Lord. Face to face, Lord, we'll see you. Lord, I'm thankful for the Scripture that even we can take from this Old Testament passage of Scripture and something that was relevant to those folks that Hosea would speak to is relevant to us today. We know this to be true because you put it in your Word. And I pray tonight that we would examine, and not just tonight, but Lord, this week and the weeks ahead that we would examine our actions. We would go back and look at our life and say, is it pleasing in the Lord's sight? We would look to our own hearts and we would examine deeply the motives of our hearts, the desires of our heart, the condition of our heart. Are we right with God? Lord, that we would look to our focus. Where are our eyes set? Where are we headed? Are we serving our Savior? Has bowed nice clothes. Let me ask you this first of all. Do you know him? It's Sunday night, I know. But how many of you could say tonight, preacher, I know that I'm saved. And in terms of my eternity and where I'm headed and whether I know the Lord, that's settled for me. There was a time in my life when I trusted Christ. That's settled for me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's settled for me. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody who say, preacher, I'm unsure of that fact, but I want it to be sure tonight. I want to know Christ as my Savior. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I, would you raise your hand this evening? Let me ask you this, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it's just been a while since you really, truly sat down and examine the actions of your life. Sometimes we get in such a routine of feeling that we're right that we don't pause to examine. Maybe it's a part of the heart. Is your heart where it should be with the Lord or your focus? But you'd say, hey, preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this evening. You'd raise your hand as a testimony. And would you stand with me? And as the pianist begins to play, as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord. And maybe just take a moment and just say, Lord, here I am. I want you to know tonight, this week, and the weeks ahead, I... I'm, I'm opening up my heart and life to you. I, I want you to know my, I'm opening up my actions. Lord, if there is one that is displeasing in your sight, let me see it. Give me the strength to change it and change my life. And 
Lord, would you examine my heart? I want to have a heart tender before the Lord. I want to have ground that is soft to the reception of the seed of God's word. And I want God to do something in my life. Or Lord, I, how about your focus? I, you know, God can show us exactly where our focus is at and it ought to be in line with God's word. But as God has spoken to your heart this evening, do business with the Lord.